Um, let's go ahead and, and pray right now. Uh, just ask God to talk to us this morning and uh, do something for us in the middle of this material as we talk about forgiveness today. Lord, we need you today, and we need the work that you do in our lives. We need the fuel that drives the kingdom to work in us. Lord, this subject of forgiveness is a difficult one for us a lot of times, so we need your help today. And what I ask you to do this morning is just speak to us words in the Spirit and make this relevant to us, each one. God, talk to us in that way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we take off, a couple of announcements. So really just one, remember our Christmas service on December 13th. Um, Also, I don't know how many of you are aware, but Dale Dunaway's brother was in a very bad car accident um, last week, and uh, he is still in ICU. Um, they have him in a, in a medically induced coma. Um, lots of problems. He's got a collapsed lung. They're starting to think now there might be some, uh, some maybe some brain damage or a spinal issue. But his name is Corey. Uh, Corey came to church for a little while uh, whenever we first started coming here. Um, I don't know how many of you remember him or not, but uh, just if you wouldn't mind over the next uh, several days just mention Corey's name lift up Dale and his family and especially his mom she's just having a really hard time with it but let's pray for that family and uh, just um, cover them with prayer so two things for y'all to remember we're going to continue this series today boxes and again this is a series that's all about perspective it's about how I see what I see Jason, you say that every week. I do, because y'all need to hear it every week. Because whenever I give you a quiz, you'll know the answers. So it's about how I see what I see. I can, I can look at a giant and see two different things. That's what David did. I can see two different things. I can see a giant that is, uh, that is unbeatable, that is unconquerable. I can see an opportunity for God to move. It's how I see what I see. Uh, this has been impressed on me so much over the last couple of weeks. The Pharisees were looking at a divine move of God in the person of Jesus Christ. But what did they see? They didn't see a divine move of God. They didn't see the Messiah that they had been praying for. They saw something. They saw a threat. They saw blasphemy. They they saw a a, a change to the way they had already done things. It, They saw a lot of different things except for what it was. So it's about boxes. It's about how I see what I see. Because of our lack of perspective, what we often think of as the problem isn't really a problem at all. The problem is, it's us. Y'all got that part, at least. The problem's us. So, here we go. Here's your quiz. Whenever I know I should do good for somebody, but I don't do it, that is called an act of self Betrayal, yes, thank you very much. I know I should do good for you, but I don't. I'm betraying myself. I'm not doing what I know I should. Now that puts me in a bit of a bind, because I know I should have done good for you, but I didn't, so that means I'm not matching up with what's on the website. That makes me a what? That makes me a hypocrite. Nobody likes to be a hypocrite. So the act of self-betrayal leads me to hypocrisy. Well, now that I'm in a bind, I feel the need to do what? I've got to justify myself. Got to justify myself. I don't want to be a hypocrite. 
So that forces me to make myself look good at the expense of the other people around me, and we call that what? Self. Somebody say it. Self deception. Yes. Self deception. And that self deception distorts my reality. It gives me a false perspective on myself, a false perspective on others, and what's going on around me, and that's what we call a box. So get the process today, guys. I know I should do good for you, but I don't. A self-betrayal. That makes me a hypocrite. So I've got to self-justify. Which means I I say, well, you're the problem. I'm not the problem. That's self-deception. That self-deception makes me see everything around me different from the way it really is. That's being in the box. So that's the process of how we get there. Okay, same drill as last week. Special bonus round. Y'all did better. I'm proud of you. Really am. Y'all did better. Special bonus round. How do I get out of the box? This is what we've been talking about now for about the past four or five weeks. How do I get out of the box? And there's more than one answer. What are ways that we get out of the box? Some of the things we've talked about. Here's the easy one. It really helps to want to be out of the box. Just that right there. Just the desire to get out of the box towards someone, to get out of the box toward a group of people, that's a step in and of itself, just getting out of the box. What else? What are some other ways to get out of the box? Yes. Think about the forest I've got growing out of my own eye instead of just the little speck of sawdust you've got in yours. Yeah. I need Jesus. And whenever I focus on my need of Jesus more than I'm focused on your need of Jesus, I'm, I'm going to get out of the box. What about David? What example did David show us? David had a sense of what? <coughs> sense of wonder toward God. Having a sense of wonder toward God puts things in perspective and you see things differently. Okay, so last week, we started talking about getting out of the box through forgiveness. And um, just some key points from last week. First of all, leaving that box means, or leaving the box means taking a layer off. You, you have to forgive the people who have hurt you. And we started looking at Matthew chapter 18 whenever Peter asked Jesus, Look, tell me when. Just be straight with me. Lord, when am I off the hook with all of this forgiveness stuff? How many times do I have to forgive somebody? Seven times? And Jesus says, Peter, you're you're never off the hook. Forgiveness is so essential, you'll never reach a place where you don't have to do it anymore. You're always going to have to forgive. So we we talked uh, or mentioned several quotes from this book, Forgive and Forget by Lewis B. Smead. Do you remember that? Okay. The title of the book is from 1984, Forgive and Forget, Healing the Hurts We Don't Deserve. Anybody ever been hurt and you didn't deserve it? Yes, all of us have. And in the book, he said there's no such thing as forgive and forget. It's it's impossible to forget the things that have hurt us. That is impossible. But what is possible is to change what you experience when you do remember. What do you go through? What happens in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit whenever you do remember those things that hurt you? What are you experiencing whenever you remember that hurt? 
So that puts me in a place where I've got to ask God for His help through the power of the Holy Ghost in processing hurt. Because the way I process it is not really the way Jesus wants me to process it. I've got to ask for His help. Ask for His help in working through forgiveness. Why? Why is that so important? Because this is that analogy we used last week. Forgiveness is the catalyst that fuels the things that drive the kingdom. Two things drive the kingdom, right? Revelation, who God is, and reconciliation, what God does. And forgiveness is the catalyst that processes hurt into those two things. Revelation and reconciliation. Forgiveness changes, processes, refines things like hurt, pain, loss, betrayal, conflict, all the stuff that life throws at us into what drives the kingdom. Without forgiveness, guys, we stay stuck. Without forgiveness, you stay stuck. So, I'm sorry to say it this way, there's just not a nicer, it's not really a nice way to put it. If you're stuck, if you've not been able to progress, you might be struggling with forgiveness. You might be stuck in the same spot because you are not processing that hurt, that betrayal, that damage that was done to you. You're not processing that in a way that fuels the kingdom in your life. Take it for what it is. Whenever we harbor hurt, whenever we cultivate bitterness, we give it room in our hearts to grow, that's bad fuel. That's bad Anybody... Anybody ever had the unfortunate experience of purchasing bad fuel for your vehicle? How many of you? Brian, what happened to your car or truck or machinery? Didn't run right, did it? Sometimes they quit completely. But sometimes what you get is that... Right? Just herky-jerk all the way down the road. Doesn't sound right, doesn't run right, doesn't act right. Unforgiveness and bitterness is the equivalent of drinking poison and waiting for somebody else to die. It's also the equivalent of just pouring bad gas in your tank all the time. Guys, nothing's going to work right. Our lives are not designed to run on that stuff. To run the analogy on out, Steve, you're not made to work on that. You're not, you're not designed to work on bitterness and hatred. Nothing's going to work right in your life. You're going to be doing this all the way down the road if that's what you try to run on. And, and, good point from last week, the lack of forgiveness is the number one hindrance to God working the miraculous in our lives. That's a pretty bold statement. But remember, Mark chapter 11, the withered fig tree, Jesus cursed the fig tree because it didn't have any fruit on it. The disciples were amazed. Jesus said, look, don't make a big deal out of this. It's a fig tree. I'm telling you that you can say to a mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and if you believe it in your heart, it'll be done. Whatever you ask for, if you believe it in your heart, it will be done. You can pray for anything and receive it if you believe. But, this was the tie-in, when you're about to pray... This is the same story now. Jesus saying, hey, you can take this mountain, throw it in to see if you believe, but whenever you're about to pray over that mountain, that miracle that you need, and you remember that you've got a grudge in your heart against your brother, you need to take care of that. You need to forgive. Then come back and pray. The miraculous and forgiveness go together. 
this was revelatory to me. I, what I mean by that is, I'd never seen it this way before. For Jesus to link the miraculous power of God and the power of me forgiving somebody that has hurt me together kind of blew my mind. So to make it clear, guys, the miracles that we're asking for can't happen unless we have a heart of faith. Yes? Jesus said, you can't have a heart of faith without a heart of forgiveness. So if I want miracles, if I want a heart of faith, I've got to have a heart of forgiveness. Jesus said it. Boom, drops a mic. He's done. Yeah. So action steps from last week. I asked you, have you ever hurt someone you loved? And everybody said, yeah. Did you really mean to hurt them? No, I didn't. But yet we think that whenever somebody hurts us, that they meant to do it. That they were on assignment from hell to intentionally try to damage us. Maybe that, And that is box thinking. That's box thinking to think that you meant to do that to me. I asked you to consider that maybe that person that hurt you is hurting as much as you are. And so I told you that you should ask the following question. Are they hurting as much as I am? If so, why? Am I the cause? Am I the reason they're hurting? Where is revelation possible? What's God showing me in this? What's God showing me through them? What does God want to show them through me in the middle of this situation? Where is reconciliation possible? What would reconciliation even look like in this situation? God, I don't even know what that would look like because this situation is so messed up. I need to pray about it. How can I forgive in such a way that it releases my heart to have faith for the miracles I need? That was all last week. So this week we want to finish up with this portion on getting out of the box through forgiveness. And our key point for today is the same as last week. If we want to progress, if we want to move forward, if we really want to get out of the box that's distorting our view of this wonderful reality that's around us, we've got to forgive. We have to forgive. But why don't we? Why don't we? This is your chance to have a little bit of input here. Why don't people forgive? Pride. Huh? Pride. Pride. Run that out a little bit, Brandy. I don't know. It seems like you're kind of, like you said last week, that you're actually stronger if you do forgive. Uh-huh. But it's just that little bit of not wanting to. Okay. Should you? Okay. Do they deserve? They deserve it. Okay? That's legit and honest. Somebody else? Why don't we forgive? It still hurts. And if I forgive you and let you back in, that gives you the opportunity to possibly do what? Hurt me again. Somebody else? Why don't we forgive? Pride? They deserve it. I don't want to get hurt again. Maybe we don't understand the benefit of forgiveness to mm-hmm. us. Um, you, you brought up a point last week I thought was really good, and it, it certainly applied to me in that, you know, why did Jesus say to whoever he said that to, you know, no, you got to forgive him this 70 times 7? And that feels like a big responsibility to me. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't need any more responsibility. I've got enough of that. You know, that's just how I feel. Not, I'm not saying that's the right thing to feel, but it is what it is. But Jesus' answer was more like, well, how many times do you want to be better? I mean, do you want to continue to be wrong or, or hurt, or would you rather be healed? That's why the 70 times 7 thing shows up. And it's, you know, we just don't see the forest through the trees. Mm-hmm. It's very odd because the benefit of forgiveness to the forgiver is huge. It's everything. You could say that it's it's a selfish act to forgive because of what you're going to get from it. But you can't see that because you have to do something selfless to get there. Mm. It's real circular. That's good. All right. I think sometimes too. I guess I can relate to this personally, but I think some, I guess kids, the way they're taught and raised, they're not they're not taught to forgive, so they don't know how to forgive. I'm not. My kids were taught from small, which is good because they forgive easy, and I do too. But I know some people that just don't know how to forgive and let things go. But I think it's because the way they were raised, they think that's how it's supposed to. Be. And why are they raised that way? I don't know. Is it because their parents hate them and want to put something bad I in them? I would say probably not. I would say most parents probably, if they raise their children in such a way, it's either by an, a negligent example yeah. or it's a defense mechanism. Son, this world's tough. Yeah. And you got, you got to protect yourself. And So hatred and bitterness or bad feelings or whatever you want to call it becomes like this fortress defense self... It's a self-defense mechanism... Where we say, this is, this is my wall. This is what protects me. Okay, And, and that's, it's understandable, but it's not biblical. Because, I mean, the Lord is my shield. He is my strong tower in my defense. Again, we're right back at the, at the same issue of me trying to do for myself what God wants to do for me. Um, it comes down to fear, really. That, that's, a, that's an excellent all of you guys, man, that was that's good stuff. Um, Brandy, I wanted to tie in with what you said, uh, the whole pride issue. Uh, and you touched on this from last week. You know, forgiveness, we think of that, the misconception is if I forgive you, I'm weak. But really, the, it's the opposite. If I forgive you, I'm strong. If we forgive, we feel like we've been conquered. You, you win. If I forgive you, you win. And that speaks volumes because what that means is we, we really value winning or being proven right or being justified more than we value reconciliation. We emphasize personal victory over personal relationships. And all I can say there is I'm really glad Jesus didn't do it that way. Because, guys, the kingdom is about people, not about validation. It's it's not about being right. Louis B. Smeets from Forgive and Forget, he said it this way, You will know that forgiveness has begun when you recall those who hurt you and feel the power to wish them well. That's tough. That's tough. 
So let's do a little bit of application today. I want to take a little bit of time today to look at how Jesus applied the idea of this whole 70 times 7 things, Brian. And we understand here today, right, I I just want to go ahead and and make this clear. Whenever Jesus said 70 times 7, he's not really saying 490 times and then you're off the hook. Is my math right? Okay, buddy, that's 491. You're done. I don't have to forgive you anymore. That was not the point that Jesus was making. So let's look at how Jesus applied this idea of 70 times 7. But let's put it in context. It's Matthew chapter 18. Same stuff we read last week. Only this is the part that follows after. So last week we read verses 21, uh, 22, maybe 23. No, verses 21, 22. Now we're going to read 21 through, 20, uh, through 35. 21 through 35. So check this out. This is how Jesus applies the idea of forgiving as much as you have to. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother who sins against me? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not not seven times, I tell you, but 77 times. Mm -hmm. 70 times seven. So then he tells this parable. He says, for this reason the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. As he began settling his accounts, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Because he was not able to repay it, the Lord ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, children, and whatever he possessed, and repayment to be made. Then the slave threw himself to the ground before him, saying, Be patient with me, and I will repay you everything. The Lord had compassion on that slave and released him and forgave him the debt. After he went out, that same slave found one of his fellow slaves who owed him 100 silver coins. In the original it says 100 denarii. So he grabbed him by the throat and started to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me. Then his fellow slave threw himself down and begged him, Be patient with me and I will repay you. But he refused. Instead, he went out and threw him in prison until he repaid the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were upset and went and told their Lord everything that had taken place. Then his Lord called the first slave and said to him, Evil slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have shown mercy to your fellow slave just as I showed it to you? And in his anger, his Lord turned him over to the prison guards to torture him until he repaid all he owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you if each of you does not forgive your brother from your heart. A talent in New Testament times was somewhere between 70 and 90 pounds. We don't know exactly. Josephus, the historian, records that the tribute or the tax revenue that the entire nation of Israel paid to Rome in one year was 800 talents. So let's do some math. A talent is between 70 and 90 pounds. This guy in the story owes his Lord 10,000 talents. Now we don't know whether that's silver or whether it's gold because the scripture doesn't tell us, so we'll do both. 10,000 times 70 is 700,000. A thousand times ninety is nine hundred thousand, so he owes somewhere between seven hundred thousand to nine hundred thousand pounds of something. We good so far? 
at today's market value, 10,000 talents of silver would be somewhere between $140.36 million and $180.46 million. But what if it wasn't silver? What if it was gold? 10,000 talents of gold, somewhere between $10.8 billion and $14 billion. That's what he owed. So pick whichever one you want. If, it was, if a talent was 70 pounds or 90 pounds, if it was silver or whether it was, whether it was gold, pick whichever one you want, the high end or the low end. It doesn't matter because this guy owed a lot of money. He owed more, Brian, than he could ever hope to repay. Now let's put this in perspective. Uh, let's see, Troy hadn't been here in a few weeks. I'll pick on Troy. Troy, you owe Brian to the tune of $140.36 million. Now, I don't know how you got there, but that's what you did. And Brian wants it all right now at 1028 on Sunday morning. And Brian says to you, Troy, if you don't pay me, I'm going to take everything you own. That house down there on, on Fairchild, all those guns, that nice shop you just built, I'm going to take everything you own and I'm going to sell it. And on top of that, I'm going to take you, your wife, those two girls, and the dogs, and I'm going to sell them too. That's what's going to happen, Troy, if you don't pay Brian right now. Now, Brian would never do that to someone. I don't think he would. $140 million is a lot of money. Oh, it's in the contract. <laughs> and Troy says, Brian, I, I, don't, I don't have it. But if, you'll just, if you will just be patient with me, I promise you, I will pay you back what I owe you. Now, I know what most of you in here do for a living. I kind of know a little bit about what Troy does for a living. I, I, I've got an idea of what your earning potential is. I've got a decent handle on what you can do financially. And $140 million is going to be a pretty good stretch. And $13.9 billion probably just ain't going to happen. But you know what Brian says? Brian says to Troy, look, let's just forget it. Don't worry about paying me back all that money. As a matter of fact, Troy, you don't have to worry about paying me any of it. I forgive you. That's pretty amazing. Now let's run that out the rest of the story. This servant, Troy, who has just forgiven so much, he's owed some money too. He is owed a hundred denarii. So I'm going to read to you from that authoritative internet source 
called Wikipedia. It says, it's difficult to give even a rough comparative values for money from before the 20th century as the range of products and services available for purchase were different. Classical Roman historians often say that in the late Roman Republic and early Roman Empire, the daily wage for an unskilled laborer or a common soldier was one denarius with no tax deductions or about $20 U.S. in bread. So that's your rate of exchange there. The silver content of the denarius under, Roman, under the Roman Empire after Nero was about 50 grains. So it's a little bit later than what, uh, whenever Jesus was here. 3.24 grams a troy ounce. So on June 6, 2011, one denarii would have been worth about $3.62 in U.S. dollars if the silver was 99% pure. $3.62. So, 100 times $3.62, we have $362. I feel pretty confident in that math. Not a million, not a billion, not even a thousand. Less than $400. So let's put this in perspective. For most of you here today, it wouldn't be a problem. If you had to do it, you could get together $400. But let's imagine you couldn't. And let's remember, Troy has just been forgiven $140 million on the low end. Now, Jason, you owe me $362. Troy says to me, and I want all of my money right now. Troy, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I, don't, I don't have it. But if you'll just be patient with me, I promise you, man, I will pay you back every cent that I owe you. Now, most of you know what I do for a living. Uh, you could, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could go on the Livingston Parish Public Schools website and find out exactly how much I earn. But I, I'm good for it. I don't have the $400 with me right now, today, Troy, but I'm good for it. I, I can pay it. You know what my earning potential is. I'll be able to cover that $400 debt eventually. Just give me a little bit of time till payday. But Troy says, no, I want you to throw Jason into prison until he can pay me what he owes me. Now, this is a little bit of a quandary for me. I don't know how you earn money in prison. I guess they had jobs in prison back then, but... Be that as it may, I want you to throw this guy that owes me $400 into prison and keep him there until he pays me every cent that he owes me. Now, doesn't that just fill you with righteous indignation? Doesn't it just make your blood boil? Because Troy was forgiven so much. He was forgiven a $140 million debt by our good friend Brian. But yet, he wouldn't forgive poor old Cooper a $400 loan. That's messed up. That part of the story, it, it makes us so mad. How could somebody be so unforgiving? How could somebody be so mean? And heartless and cruel, Brandy. 
How could someone be so oblivious? I'll use this word, be so stupid. Because it's so obvious what has been done for you, yet you won't do that for somebody else. How can you be that stupid? You can't forgive such just a little bit for that. You can't forgive that after what he forgave you. You won't do that. You are a you are a horrible person. I mean, just awful. Careful, careful, careful. Remember what Jesus is doing here, folks. He's teaching Peter and the rest of these Yahoo disciples about what it means to forgive. When can I quit forgiving the people that hurt me, Jesus? When am I off the hook? Off the hook, Peter. You you never off the hook. Not seven times. Not seventy times seven. Because you, Peter, have been forgiven so much. You owed a debt of $14 billion. And I forgave it. So Peter, don't you be heartless. Don't you be cruel. Don't you be mean. Don't you be stupid and oblivious whenever it comes to the $400 hurt that somebody did to you. How much is that hurt worth to you today? And whenever I say that hurt, what I'm thinking is happening in your brain is you're thinking about that thing that somebody did to you that hurt you the most. So that hurt right there that you're thinking about right now, how much is that hurt worth to you? Put a dollar value on it. I'm being ridiculous, I know. But how much money would it take for you to feel better about the hurt that was done to you. And for you to just get over it. How much money would it take? Imagine that person comes to you later today. Hey, Cody, this is so-and-so. Whenever you hear that name, you think, oh, God, I hate this guy. Why is he calling me? Listen, man, can I come over and talk to you for a little while? I, there's something I really need to talk to you about. Yeah, whatever, man. Come on over. I'll be here. So the guy shows up at Cody's house and he says, Look, man, I this it will not leave me alone. I feel terrible about what I did to you, and it was completely my fault. I want to make it right. I want to make amends. I want to give you enough money so that you can forgive me and you feel all right about it. How much money is it going to take? $400? $4,000? $400,000? Now come on somebody! $400,000? That's a lot of money. I forgive somebody a lot of stuff for $400,000. I wish that some of the people I'm thinking about right now would call me up and say, hey man, let's put a dollar value on this right now. You got a deal, man. Let's talk. I'm cheap now. $4 million? 
Is your hurt $4 billion? What would it take to make you feel better? Would $400,000 make things about square in your thinking? For whatever that hurt is that you're thinking about right now. Before you tell them, yeah, buddy, go ahead and write the check. Consider how much money you'd need to settle up things with Jesus. Go ahead and put a dollar amount on what you owe Him today. The one that has forgiven me and forgiven you every single time I've asked for it and you've asked for it, He's forgiven. You can't do it, can you? You can't put a dollar figure on that one. And neither can I, nor can any of us. Because we have been forgiven so much, haven't we, Chris? Yet so many of us are just holding on to hurt and we let it sit in the bank of our hearts earning compound interest and we're just waiting for the day, Brandy, finally, whenever we can collect and say, yeah, buddy, you got yours. And I wonder if His blood boils. If He looks at that and says, how can you be so unforgiving? How, how can you? I don't think Jesus talks this way to us. He might, I don't know, but Brayden, how, maybe Jesus looks at me and says, Jason, how can you be that stupid? Considering what I have forgiven you, you're going to let that sit in your heart? Jesus told him, said, Peter, you are not getting this, son. I value relationship with you so much that I never take myself off the hook whenever it comes to forgiving you. I could have been in the box toward you, Peter, if I wanted to. Considering how much you owed me, I would have been justified being in a box toward you and staying that way. But I don't want to. Because I value this relationship so much more than what you owe me. So Peter, be like me. Be a reflection of me. Don't try to keep taking yourself off the hook whenever it comes to forgiving others. Get out of your box like I did and forgive. And suddenly you're going to see things in your life start to work right that haven't worked right up till now. Somebody needs to hear that today. I, I just, y'all think what you want to, but I felt a little check mark in the Holy Ghost right there. There are some things in your life that haven't worked right up till now because of the mess that's living in here. Let go of the original debt and let go of the interest that's accrued and watch things start to work right in your life that haven't been. Because forgiveness is the process that fuels the kingdom in my life we're almost done C.S. Lewis said to be Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you 
Lewis B. Smead said, God is the original master forgiver. Each time we grope our reluctant way through the minor miracle of forgiving, we are imitating His style. I like that statement. He concludes with this, I am not at all sure that any of us would have had the imagination enough to see the possibilities in this way to heal the wrongs of this life had He not done it first. Three things that need forgiveness. And these these are a little strange, but we've really focused on people today. But there are three things that need to be forgiven as a little unique. The deceased. There are people that are not in our lives anymore that hurt us immensely. And we still carry the junk around with us today. And there's no way we can make that right except through Him. Because you can't go to them right now. You can't tell them, hey, you hurt me. They can't come to you and apologize. Guys, that's something that's got to be worked out in prayer. But the deceased, mamas, daddies, whoever. Self. Some of us need to forgive ourselves. Why didn't I take that opportunity? Why did I do such and such? You need to forgive yourself. And number three, we need to forgive God. Because there's some things in our lives that haven't worked out the way that we wanted them to, the way we hoped they would, the way that we thought He said they would. And there's some angst in there toward Him. It's not a, it's not, I guess, I don't know how to say this, but it's your lack of forgiving God is affecting you a whole, whole lot more than it's affecting Him. But He doesn't like that in your relationship. He would rather it not be there so that He can get closer to you. Action steps for this week. Number one, face your hurt and betrayal. Whether that means sitting somewhere and writing it down, getting it all out on paper, Maybe it's making a phone call. Maybe it's sitting down and talking to somebody that doesn't have a dog in your hunt that can be completely objective. I'm not talking about a close family member or a friend or somebody that knows. I'm talking about somebody that doesn't have a clue who you are and those other people are other than what you tell them. But maybe you need to sit down and talk to somebody. But you need to face the hurt, face the betrayal. Number two, as we've talked about today, consider how much you've been forgiven. Do a little replay in your brain over the past 15, 20 years of the things that you have been forgiven, not just by God, but by other people. And number three, choose to let it go and forgive them. And it's a process, just like that onion. You're going to peel off a layer and peel off a layer, but choose to peel off a layer and forgive. All right. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together today. Thank you for speaking to us from your word. Lord, and I I just want to say thank you for the just the little slip of the spirit that moved through here a little while ago. 
I know you're talking to some people. Lord, I pray that this would stay in our hearts and our minds. Lord, that this would just kind of till up some ground in our spirits so that you can do what you want to do in our lives, so that we can have the types of relationships with you and with each other that you want us to have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here today, folks. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you being here. We'll see you in a few minutes in big church.